0: Hello San Pedro, Pedro Podcast, Podcast, episode 100.
1: Hey, I'm Amanda. And I'm Jess. And this is the Hello San Pedro Podcast. Join us as we talk with locals, community leaders, business owners. And people like us who love all things San Pedro. Every week, we'll explore San Pedro's deeply rooted culture, discuss local issues, and spread good vibes. Let's get into it.
0: Hey everyone, welcome back to the Hello San Pedro podcast. We took a little bit of a break there, which um, which actually was really good for us because we got to get some really amazing guests lined up for the near future. Um, how are you doing, Jess? I'm doing good. I'm glad to be back. I know, likewise. Uh, we're really excited because uh, this is actually our 100th episode and it's incredible to think about. I mean, I've already mentioned the story a couple of times, but just where it started and then now being at 100 episodes. Um, I know a lot of people probably hit this mile marker like way sooner, but <laughs> I think for what in is it? your own time, that's yeah. all I think. It yeah. is in your own time. And then for something that I really expected to just be kind of like a hobby and maybe wasn't sure about how long it would last, it is kind of a big deal that, you know, this is the 100th episode and we're finally here
1: that's huge you've Mm -hmm. sat with like if not 100 at least over 100 people and gotten Mm -hmm. their stories which is incredible and documented it all Mm -hmm. so that's cool yeah Yeah. big big congratulations to the podcast to you
0: and to the community
1: i mean um that's like 100
0: different guests people from the community that you know took time to tell their story here and have enriched our lives by their story um and i just i i can't wait to see where this where this does go um and and again we have so we had some ideas of what we were going to do for a hundred and i was like honestly i just want to get a really great guest Mm -hmm. um and i'm really excited because you've you were able to get in touch with somebody that i feel like i've been wanting to have on for a
1: while Mm -hmm. yeah i'm really excited for our next guest um multifaceted in the person that they are but also like their um in like journeys like they've lived a number of lifetimes if you will in one life and so it's incredible i'm really excited to hear his stories and share that and we definitely wanted to have more (laughs) time oh my (laughs) gosh we could have talked
0: forever because I mean the thing that I thought we were kind of bringing him in for his main gig I mean that's not even what we talked about for the majority of the episode I didn't even get to get a love story which I would have (laughs) loved to have you know got out of him Um, so that just means we will have to have him on again maybe in the future definitely Um, but I'm really happy that this guest is our um, 100th guest and I i I hope you will also be excited about uh, about it when yeah
1: and if any stories resonate with you guys or your parents or grandparents definitely let us know we would love to know about that
0: yeah because he does go into some really fun San Pedro history rabbit holes and um, yeah we hope to hear all the dms
1: (laughs) and personal stories yeah we'll go ahead and let him introduce himself
2: this is Harold Green um, I am a furniture maker and I live here in San Petro.
0: Thank you, Harold, for joining us. Um, well, of course, I've seen you grace the cover of our local magazine. We we like to come from the, I mean, I probably forgot a lot of details about your story, but we like to come from the perspective of listeners who have, may not have ever heard right, of you. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I'm very excited to get your full story and yes, um, yes. hear about you and where you came from and Uh, I mean we take it all the way back we take it about like where you're born where you grew up (laughs) so well I'll start
2: at the beginning sure okay so um, I grew up in San Pedro but I was actually born in Florida uh, born in Jacksonville Florida Hmm. Um, my dad was in the Navy and um, we lived in Virginia uh, Norfolk Virginia and um, Um, I think maybe the closest Naval Hospital was Jacksonville So that's where I was born So I lived in Virginia for three years And then we came out to Los Angeles Yeah, so I came out to San Pedro When I was three, my family brought Me and my siblings out here Um, We lived uh, in the projects uh, Right there on the corner Of PCH and Vermont Okay Mm -hmm. And it was really fun, there was lots of kids Um, We uh, We could kind of roam around the, the neighborhood and a little little beyond, because things were pretty s- safe back then. Mm-hmm. Across PCH was um, um, Harbor Lake, or we called it Bixby Slough, mm-hmm. and um, you walk across and you just kind of walk through the reeds, and then there was this uh, lake, it, was, it, it felt very natural, <laughs> yeah. it was a very natural setting, it mm-hmm. was beautiful, um, and we fished for catfish in the lake there, okay? Um, we made our own fishing poles out of like a, <laughs> uh, you know, a piece of bamboo and, mm-hmm. you know, bobby pins for the, <laughs> you know, for the, and so, um, I don't think we caught, caught much. I, but I think I do remember we caught one and my mom, you know, cleaned it and, and, and fried you it, had. fried it up. Wow. So Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, I lived in Harbor city until I was six. So my family bought a house um, in, um, in, um, San Pedro, um, and, uh, we moved here and I started, um, um, I went to elementary school starting in the first grade here, um, at, uh, Bandini Street School. Mm-hmm. I was, I went to kindergarten at Normont Terrace, mm-hmm. which is right there, um, off of Vermont in harbor city i was gonna
0: say that's in Mm -hmm. yeah that's not in pedro (laughs) (laughs) yeah Mm -hmm. so
2: uh went to bandini bandini was a great school um uh my favorite subject was the playground (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) but uh but i had great teachers and and many of them i I remember really uh really well um uh, mr albreton was my fifth grade teacher Mm -hmm. he was an amazing teacher he was a teacher who would let us roam around the room and talk to our friends in class Um, we did science experiments Um, you know it was all about kind of exploring and learning Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. he was a very exciting uh, great teacher except for one problem he turned out he was part of a car theft ring (gasps) in 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 town no way and he got like arrested he was leading a double life. yeah he was leading a double line yeah, oh my double gosh. Line. yeah we never saw him again wow.
1: great school teacher by day car theft right right, right.
2: Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah oh my gosh wow yeah yeah so he was an amazing teacher
0: i'm sure somebody's gonna dm us about that <laughs> right
2: right yeah let's hear more if, uh-huh. if anybody knows whatever <laughs> happened to mr albretton i would love That's i would love so to funny. know
0: yeah. now i mean you it was when you were at bandini school so so you were very young do you know how old he was, was oh you he, know he was probably was he a young teacher or? I think it was
2: young as maybe in his 30s yeah yeah mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm.
0: which of course when we're little is so old. yeah yeah he's in, he's now in, that we're in our 30s yeah. we're right. like we are young still <laughs> right mm-hmm.
2: so um you know had some really great really a mm-hmm. uh, bandini street school was a was mm-hmm. a great school I, mm-hmm. I could name four or five teachers who were mm-hmm. who were amazing yeah sure. went on to Dotson mm-hmm. which was for me, it was fantastic when I was there. My sons went there and they didn't like it so much. But but um, uh, Dotson was great for me. Um, uh, they had um, one of one of my favorite events, which is Father and Son Night, and um, and so you'd go in the evening and uh, they'd show you'd have NFL films, highlights, you know. In super slow motion you know it was amazing um you know and hot dogs and all kinds of games and stuff it was a, it was really fun
0: that was when you were going there when I was going that there incredible. Yeah. yeah I've never heard of that like yeah. type of event
2: yeah it was it was a fantastic event mm-hmm. um I was a I was a really good student in um uh at, at Dotson I was um I, I got almost straight A's in the seventh grade and um and so I got to be a member of the service club called the Delgados. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> you might want to look that one up. And, um, and so, um, uh, but I was really you know, into sports uh, as well. Uh, I was uh, really into basketball. Mm-hmm. Um, um, and um, I really learned uh, a lot. I had really good, uh, I, I felt like the, uh, the teachers that I had and um, teaching all the subjects, um, I learned a lot, but especially it was kind of the beginning of my woodworking. Um, I had seventh grade wood shop, mm-hmm. and um, um, I really, really enjoyed it. I and, and I did really well. I got an A in wood shop, and I think I got an A on every project that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, but not only uh, did I have wood shop, I had um, electronics shop and metal shop.
1: Oh, cool! And
2: in um, those, I did equally well. Uh, That
0: that was in seventh grade. In seventh grade. Wow, I'm impressed.
2: Yeah, seventh seventh grade. Yeah, Mm -hmm. and um, uh, do you
1: remember what you made in woodshop class?
2: uh, Okay, so there was a um, I think there was a box. There was a fish, kind of a sculpted fish that goes Mm -hmm. on the wall. Um, There was a I think a I, I know one of them was like a cutting board. There were quite a few projects and i yeah. think the way the class the way it worked is um you had wood shop for 10 weeks so you had it for for half half the semester mm-hmm. um and then you would go over to metal shop and i think it was for 10 weeks mm-hmm. as well mm. and um um and then there was uh but i also had What's really What's really interesting is all the things that I really excelled in in um, in junior high are the things that I use in my woodworking today. Wow! So I had um, wood shop and metal shop, and metal is something that I use um, quite often. Um, um, I'll, sometimes I'll fabricate my own hinges or or wow. or, or catches. Um, um, I also uh, do uh, casting in bronze, which mm-hmm. we didn't have in metal shop, but uh, but I learned that since. Um, um, I um, also had um, uh, drafting, which was a great, mm-hmm. great class. Um, so I learned how to do mechanical drawings here. Mm-hmm. You learned uh, the
1: structure of how to create. Yeah, right, yeah. right.
2: Mm-hmm. And then um, in uh, mathematics, um, I really enjoy geometry, that the geometry part of mathematics. And I use geometry in my work all the time, mm-hmm. uh, figuring out um, angles mm-hmm. and, and how things need to go together. Mm-hmm. And so so those things um, really helped me um, every day in, in my woodworking, um, you know, 50 plus years later. I love later. that, yeah. yeah.
0: Did I you, just feel like saying yay, you know, <laughs> early <yeah>. on education, <laughs> yeah, right. right? That's true. That's like the success story for yeah. you know your junior high school and yeah. your program. That's incredible. Yeah,
2: it was mm-hmm. it was it was great. Um, so on to high school. Went to San Pedro High School, like most people in this town. Um, uh, San Pedro High was high school was great, but I I became less and less interested in in um, the academics mm-hmm. and. Um, and so um, I had just started playing music. You know, I was fifteen, and I just started playing music. And I was mo- mostly interested in in that and basketball. Okay. <laughs> and so, and and uh, even though I, I didn't make the basketball team um, uh, for my for for Saint Peter High, um, I continued continued to play mm-hmm. and um, and and enjoyed it for just for a fun activity. Mm-hmm. So. Um, but uh but high school was kind of the start of uh of my my music life um and i was in i was in a band called titanic
1: that's a great name (laughs) yeah right
2: (laughs) and if you ask around to people who are my age you'll find it was a very popular band really um
0: what was the genre would you say oh well rock rock rock, yeah yeah, i played lead guitar yeah yeah Mm -hmm.
2: for uh for this band it was uh you know Uh, keyboard, uh, organ, uh, uh, rhythm guitar, uh, drums Mm -hmm. and uh, bass and um, we had for a short time we had a bassist who also played cello my good friend Brian Asher who passed away a a few years ago Mm -hmm. Um, uh, but he was an amazing bassist and he was an even more amazing cellist and I um, love the
1: cello yeah
2: and so um, there were a couple of rock bands that mixed in uh, violins. Um, yeah. uh, I think a band called Curbed Air, and they had violins. And so we played um, at, a, at a high school assembly. We played a song called White Bird. So look it up, okay. White, White oh my Bird. my gosh, yeah. It has some violins in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, um, and we played all over town. So San Pedro was like a hotbed. Of music mm-hmm. in the late '60s, early '70s. Okay, there were these concerts at the Free Clinic. The Free Clinic was um, um, on the, near the corner of Sixth Street and Pacific. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's a mm-hmm. auto parts store there now. Mm-hmm. But um, it's somewhere back in that area. Um, the Free Clinic, and they had kind of a. A big open space, like in the back of the free clinic, and um, I think they could fit a, a, a couple hundred people.
0: When you say free clinic, it would mean basically the same as what it does now—a free, free clinic. An actual free clinic, right, where you, you could can go, go and, and get, get
2: free medical care. And yeah, then in amazing.
0: the back, of the, in back of
2: the free clinic, there was space. They had like a like big a community space. It was like a community space, and they had concerts. Oh my god! And so we played these concerts with other groups in town um like white gas these were really great groups white gas super chicken um <laughs> i love these names <laughs> yeah yeah you, you know uh, the wing tips and they're still mm-hmm. i think they might still be playing wow um uh there was this phenomenal group called tall water i really, they were like a power rock trio okay. Ma- amazing mm-hmm. um but we were a rock band but we kind of dabbled in a little jazz and a little soul we played like um like grazing in the grass you know Mm -hmm. Uh, i think by booker t and the mgs Mm -hmm. you know did stuff like that um we played some country and western what was
0: your instrument again guitar guitar guitar, okay Okay. at the time Mm
2: -hmm. but i i i I loved uh country and western guitarists Mm -hmm. my favorite guitarists, uh glenn campbell Mm -hmm. and um uh, roy roy clark Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, the, uh, you know, bluegrass, you know, flat, flats and scrugs, you know, they played this amazing, Mm -hmm. really fast flat picking. Um, So I enjoyed uh, playing, uh, playing country music as well as. Rock and roll, maybe a lot of people don't know that about me. (laughs) Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, every once in a while, you'll hear a little bit of a country twang coming out of my telecaster. (laughs) And, you know, people Mm -hmm. will go, where'd that come from? (laughs) Now you know. Because I I really, really liked um, um, country and western. I went on to a band after Titanic. Um,
0: Titanic was high school. Titanic right? was high school. Okay, so yeah. are we talking after high school? So we're moved talking on to just
2: after high school. Mm-hmm. I left Titanic, and I joined the band that my brother formed. And I went from playing lead guitar in in Titanic to playing um, fretless bass mm-hmm. um, for my brother who played uh, electric piano, mm. and he was an amazing. He is an amazing pianist um, still to this day mm-hmm. um, and so we formed a group and we played mostly R&B mm. and jazz he's he's he sang. he still sings he's a great R&B singer mm-hmm. so um, so that band um, later became Magnum okay, okay? and so I, I talked about Magnum I think in that article in San Pietro today so Magnum uh, was a, it became a pretty large group. We ha, we wound up having horns and a, a kunga player, and um, um, it was like we got up to nine pieces at one one Oh wow. wow! Yeah, yeah. and um, uh, and my brother um, wrote most of the uh, the music, oh my m- wrote and arranged m- most of the music, and he was fifteen at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he was re- really really. Uh, talented and still is um, but re, uh, uh, we re wound up recording a, an album um, uh, called uh, Fully Loaded okay. mm-hmm. and um, 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 and we played like all over LA mm-hmm. um, all of the uh, the clubs oh, um, wow. um, and concert venues um, uh, and so we were a fairly popular band Fully um,
1: Loaded, you said? Fully Loaded, yeah. I yeah. found it on Spotify. Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Very cool.
2: Um, the the uh, vinyl of that record is very, very collectible. Okay. Um, um, recently, one sold for like $800. Oh my goodness. Yes. Oh my right. goodness. Right, because oh. right. they, they didn't produce many of them. Mm-hmm. And um, uh, R&B uh, collectors... Uh, just are you know clamoring for for a copy of this wow this album um and um it's collected all over the world you know um i've heard from people in london um um and um um denmark um germany about you know, seen, trying to get a hold of a copy of this. Yeah, um, this yeah. would
0: be the Magnum Magnum fully loaded, loaded album. Yes, album. Uh-huh. wow! The okay. original,
2: uh, the original vinyl. Mm-hmm. It was so um, uh, collectible that uh, it was bootlegged several times. Oh. right. And so, um, and even the bootleg copies <gasps> go for <laughs> over two hundred dollars, which wow. is crazy. Oh my god! Yeah. wow! Yeah. yeah, I have one original copy. Mm-hmm. you know and um and it still has the plastic on it and yeah. it's been played maybe two or three times and that's it and that's, that's it. So, incredible so it's worth a lot <laughs> yeah <laughs> the and lot that's how me.
1: cool that it was your brother who like came up with the songs and yeah, like, right. wrote this and right. that it was like both of you performing along with yeah. nine in total right yeah
2: nine um wow when we when we um, we wound up having seven because we wound up firing the singers mm. uh, um um they were sing- they were okay singers they were pretty good um they were pretty creative but but um uh, we uh fired the singers my brother took over most of the singing duties along with um the trombone player um uh, Vance Wormley and um and then we all sang background Oh so, that's so cool. So yeah. it was, it I'm excited to listen to it. Yeah. I
0: know. Well, I'm I'm kinda of blown away because it's been an amazing music journey for you. Yeah. Right? right. And and I mean the reason I had like the story I was already preparing myself for was, you know, um kind of your woodworking journey. Yeah. And it's great that we haven't even gotten there and this journey has been just so interesting. Right, right.
2: Mm-hmm. Well, the the music journey continues. I'm still uh, playing music yeah. to this day. I, I never,
0: remember realizing yeah. that music was a component because yes. of the story, but right, right. I, I didn't realize like how big it was. Oh, it's you a know? big thing.
2: Yeah, music is really, mm-hmm. really big. If I if I if I didn't have so much work, mm. <laughs> and, you know, in woodworking and wasn't so busy with that, I'd be doing a, a lot of music. But now. it's
1: like both your passions. But it's
2: both my passions, and so I, I squeeze in the music in the edges, you know. Yeah. And um, I'm i always, love it. Uh, writing writing always writing new music and mm-hmm. um and playing and recording and and mm-hmm. so um in fact i'm playing i'm going to a jam session tonight was uh, fun. i was invited to my friend's house who um is um hosting a um a, a master a tabla player the tablas are an indian drum
1: yeah oh. and
2: um and so i'm very excited to uh, to go and, um, and play. Just have fun and <laughs> yeah. play.
1: Oh wow. my gosh, that's so cool. Yeah. It's incredible. Has yeah. your genre, because you, I mean, started with rock and then went into R&B, has your genre for music of what you enjoy playing expanded as well? Like, I mean.
2: Um, yeah, I, I, um, the music that I write today is, uh, it has all of the influences of rock, um, jazz, uh, R&B, uh, you know, with a little country sneaks in there every mm-hmm. once in a while. Which um, they're
1: all really connected. I mean, they are really thread. connected. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Um, and um, um, but I like to use different instruments uh, when I'm recording. So uh, one one of my um, one of my favorite songs that I wrote uh, back in the uh, the '90s has a tabla player. As the only percussion on it, oh. okay, and um, so I've always had a real affinity for 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 the tablas, for you know, unusual percussion, mm. and so um, I dabble a little bit in percussion. I wouldn't say I'm a percussionist, but I but I do dabble a little bit, mm-hmm. and um, I actually build cajones. Are you familiar with a with what a cajon is? A cajon is like it's a box, basically. Yeah, yeah. Cajon means box, but it's um, but it's a, a box drum and you you sit on it mm. and you and you hit it you know hit the front of it um, but uh but i've made mine so that they're um they sound more closer to a drum set than they do to a, like a wooden box wow yeah mm-hmm. and so um, um so i use that in uh, some of my recordings and um and i'll jam with that sometimes that's
0: incredible well. yeah. i love that yeah Okay, so we, we've heard the early kind of childhood story through mm-hmm. high school and beyond, mm-hmm. and then how long did Magnum go for?
2: Magnum went for, I'm gonna say, about six or seven years? hmm Yeah. The tragic part of Magnum is that um, the record company that um, signed us uh, decided to put the record on the shelf um, after only 1500 copies were produced and we didn't I didn't really know this disinformation this until just a few years ago mm. oh. uh, yeah uh, we had a little reunion with the producers of the of the record um, and and a guy who from the from back east who had been doing some research on um, on the album and um, yeah, we found out you know yeah. that there were only a few produced and that, uh, of course, made sense. Seeing making it much, making it very collectible. Mm-hmm. Very few copies uh, available, um, and uh, the album had something unusual about it. Uh, it had these um, clean um, horn breaks and drum breaks. That means they had no other instruments in them, mm-hmm. uh, and so, so uh, DJs would sample those sections of of the record. Yeah. And so so there's like a whole group of DJs in London who, you know, have copies or samples of the drum breaks that they use in their mixes, okay? That's so cool. And so, um, um, you know, um, the tragic thing is that the record company kind of dropped the record, but we could not get dropped out of the contract. So. so we were stuck under contract for seven years, where we could not sign with another
1: oh, any no. other label. Okay.
2: And other labels approached us. Uh, uh, in fact, Columbia Records ap- approached us to they wanted to sign us, and we told them, "Well, we're already signed, and and, wow, and, and, and nothing we could do about we're it. Stuck. We're stuck. Yeah, yeah, we were stuck. And that and that led to the breakup of the band because. Mm-hmm. We were just dead how in the water.
0: Long, how long did the contract have you on the hook for? It was
2: seven years. Yeah. Oh, so, so they, from 74, we would have been on the hook all the way till 81. Yeah, oh, and, wow. and you know, when you're a young person, you know, when you're 21, seven years is a really long time. Yeah, it's like it's a huge, pris- like and a those are yeah. those
0: are like, um, you know, I want to say those are really forming years for a young person you know you really become who you are you're learning your life lessons you evolve a lot you know right right those early
1: 20 years right and in music and that's a pivotal time when things are changing and evolving and absolutely what year was this
2: okay so uh, we signed our record contract in 74 Mm -hmm. and so the record was released in 74 Mm -hmm. um, and so we would have been under contract till 81 from '74, I think we stayed together another maybe maybe till '76, '77, and then mm-hmm. we, we we broke up. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and the record label, even though they dropped the record, um, they they wouldn't let you out of the contract, which just took no. you out of the game completely yeah. for years. Yes, it did. Wow. And
2: in the, the band wound wound up breaking breaking up, and it just basically killed off the band. Oh, mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm. sorry to hear that. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So
2: very disappointing, but um, but the thing that. What happened in that period was I began woodworking, okay, mm. and um, I think nineteen seventy four seventy five I was kind of dabbling, and then I got more serious, seventy six seventy seven seventy eight um, I had a break uh, when I joined the fire department uh, for a year, um, and then um, I left. I left the fire department after a year and went back to woodworking and have been woodworking ever since. Really? Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. You
0: also mentioned the fire... I mean, it said the water and power.
2: Yes. Okay. okay. So I worked for water and power. It was cable splicer supper. We went underground. Mm. You know, it was... Um, uh, we went down in the manholes in these underground vaults and tunnels. and. Um, in L.A.? In L.A., oh yeah. Oh my gosh, yeah. this is so cool. Yeah. Yeah, and so... Um, so I would assist the, uh, the journeyman in um, uh, splicing these cables that carry 4,800 volts, oh, you wow. know. Mm-hmm. Um, um, you know, normally the cables are dead. You know, mm-hmm. bef- they, they might be new cables and they're they're joining connecting them. Them together, joining mm-hmm. them together. And so I would provide them with all, everything that they need. And, um, and sometimes they work up on telephone posts, but I would be the person who would give them all of their supplies, whatever they need to oh, do their splicing. Mm-hmm. Okay. okay. and um, But sometimes they would have to splice those cables when they were hot. That means Ooh, they were live they were 4,800 volt cables. Wow. And so this was the days before, you know, cell phones. They, well, they, <laughs> the safety they had safety. Yeah, no, they, they were pretty safe. Okay. I think they were. Well, in my first my first day there, the the, the journeyman um uh, told me these scary stories about um uh you know high voltage cables um you know like blowing up and manhole you know transformers yeah. you know they're filled with oil you know those blowing mm-hmm. up and guys being electrocuted and you know this is my first day and i'm like oh that my god what did, I, the what crap out what of did I get myself into <laughs>
0: absolutely yeah how and long so, did you do that for
2: i did that for two years mm-hmm. and so um so in case of emergency i would have to have a dime in my pocket in case my journeyman like got electrocuted in there and i would have to run to the nearest payphone. <laughs> okay right
1: oh my gosh okay when yeah. they had, you know
2: payphones, that was yeah that was all you had that then. Right. you had a payphone, and so i'd have to know where the nearest pay, the pay phone might be a block away yeah. two blocks away here but
1: i am I, thinking the dime was like to ground you or too. something mm-hmm. you know like <laughs> the dime was to be like to throw it at him yeah. and
2: see if he was alive <laughs> right no i was like what's a dime no. for make a call oh, right, gosh. right. Wow. that never happened though yeah and um yeah i mm, there were never any um, accidents on on my crew, okay. but the biggest danger uh, was the sedentary lifestyle of, of of the job. Because you know it would be physical for a little bit, but then you know there were there were hours where you were really not doing much at all, mm-hmm. and um, uh, one of the things that pushed me. To get into running marathons, get into running. Period. But 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 was was that sedentary lifestyle mm-hmm. at water and power? In mm-hmm. fact, um, I was um, uh, completely freaked out when uh, guys who were getting ready to retire would die over the weekend. Yeah, like they have a heart attack and just drop dead. Oh my gosh! Yeah. And um, that really freaked me out. I was a young guy. I was maybe twenty. 21, 22 years old. Mm-hmm. And I thought, wow, that's not going to be me. <laughs> you know? Yeah. You know, so I started, you know, started running.
0: Um, I kind of wanted to go into, I mean... W- I know you as the like a woodworking person. Right, right. Yes. And I mean that's why you I mean you were on the cover of the magazine <laughs> as a woodworker. And right. it's so funny that we've already been talking for an hour and we really haven't gotten too much into what it is that you do. So yes. I mean it is your business, right? It is my business,
2: right. No. More than full time. Okay. I mean, I could work, you know, sun up to sundown and never run out of projects. So this is
0: not only a pat like a passion like that you yes. enjoy, it's yes. something that you genuinely love to do. Right. But it is also your income and your business. And yes, it you is. make money from it. Like, we yep. all want
1: that. Right. Yeah, right. No, I'm I'm
2: <laughs> I'm very fortunate. I mm-hmm. get to um to do uh, do what I love mm-hmm. and 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 more and more um do exactly the kind of projects that I want to do. Mm-hmm. Um people people come to me um, all the time, because they know they know what I do now. Mm-hmm. Um, they've seen me in a magazine, or or uh, that even been on television, and um, um, and so uh, people will come to me for a, a really special piece of furniture, or if they're doing a, a room in a house, uh, they want something designed especially for that room, or actually the in the built-in work. in Mm -hmm. in the room Mm -hmm. uh, you know bathrooms kitchens all that kind of stuff Mm -hmm. so um um but i started um just kind of like with these rudimentary tools and i would go to go to the lumber yard i'd go to big c and no no, nobody except for people as old as me know what big c (laughs) big c was a a hardware store uh so i'd get go get some pieces of redwood because it was easy to cut and um i kind of put these things together i made a table and i made some cabinets for my stereo equipment mm-hmm. and um and that was that was the very beginning that was like 1975 oh wow yeah and um, um people my, my friends saw what i was making and they'd say hey can you make me one of those and and so I, 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 that's how I started, kind of making little well, things for people. It
0: sounds like after well, after music, you turned to woodworking. You built something for yourself using the skills that you had learned in junior high, just knowing like, oh, yeah, yeah. I could build that. Right. I've done stuff like that yeah. in my class. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And then you built
1: it for yourself, and somebody right. else was like, oh, I want one, or can you make me this?
0: Yes. And yes. for wow. all those
1: DIYers, like, mm-hmm. so, you know, this is... Before YouTube University, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah that's right. Yeah, before. you can
2: learn anything on YouTube. But me, I went to the library. Mm-hmm. I went to the San Pedro Library, mm-hmm. right there on Gaffey and Ninth wow. Street, mm-hmm. the the um, old library. So I went to the library, and I would get books on woodworking. And so I actually learned kind of, you know, kind of basic, you know, hand joinery mm. and kind of basic stuff. Um, with hand tools from from books, mm-hmm. and um, but but also um, I came across a book that that turned out to be um, really influential for me, um, even to this day. Um, it was a book called "A Cabinetmaker's Notebook" by uh, James Krenoff, and um, James Krenoff was a I think Swedish born uh, woodworker who. Who came out to California and did his work at in Fort Bragg, mm-hmm. California, and so um, he had this um, really uh, beautiful sense of aesthetics when it came to wood. Um, he he really saw wood as a, a as a really organic and three dimensional material. Um, um, he was able to to look at a piece of wood and imagine what was happening inside as far as the direction of the grain. Mm-hmm. Um, um, if you cut it a certain way and opened it up, this is what you would get. But he could see that before mm. he, he would cut in cut into the wood. Um, and so and it was this um, really uh, beautiful uh, combination of, uh, of using machines and using hand tools. Mm. Um, he... Um, Uh, use these uh, wooden hand planes Uh, and he, in his book he showed you how to make make them and so I made myself uh, my first wooden hand plane and um, you know at the end of making it and adjusting it you could get this paper thin shaving from from the wood Mm -hmm. and it's the experience of building a tool and and working with it and um, in getting such a beautiful result you get this um, glass smooth surface after you've planed, planed, planed it, and um, and, and planing is basically
1: like shaving you the shave wood. A, yeah,
2: you shave a very thin layer of wood off, and um, it comes off. It, it if you get if you get it right, it comes off as thin as an onion skin, um, or even thinner, and um, and and there's a sound associated with it. There's this kind of a whoosh, mm-hmm. and there's this really great like it has there's everything there you have this sound you have this something that you're affecting you're changing uh, a piece of wood and 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 making it more refined and you're doing that with the tool that you made mm. and so um,
0: that's that's got to be an incredibly satisfying feeling it's
2: very satisfying <laughs> and and mm-hmm. and so um, you're you're kind of hooked from that you know, um, um, and so he had this really kind of great sense of design too, where the um, the construction of the piece was apparent when you looked at it. You 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 can look at the piece and you can see how it's made because there's joints where the tenons go through mm-hmm. another member, and you can see that because they go all the way through. And um, you can see how pieces are put together mm. uh, with dovetails, um, and there's a, a certain honesty about how the wood is finished. It's very simple finishes, maybe only wax, mm. or maybe even no finish because when you when you've uh, uh, planed a wood with a hand plane, it leaves a surface that's so beautiful you don't have to do anything else to it. Wow! Okay? Really? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Um, so that, um, you know, I was really hooked uh, after finding that book and he wrote three books um, and I have all three in in the in that series.
0: I love that you um, i I just love how in no matter what the topic is, there's always somebody who's like an expert in the field and can write a book about it. I mean, even if it's just like for me because I wouldn't know anything about wood you know woodworking or anything like that, but here you found like a very incredible man who does who knows his craft so well that it also made you fall in love with the craft even more too yes exactly and that's that's incredible i mean i know i know that my dad he's you know he He dabbles in woodworking Mm -hmm. and he's made a bunch of, you know, things that we use all the time Mm -hmm. Um, and I have a project for him I want him to do. (laughs) So he's the guy you go to to make things like that Mm -hmm. Um, And he has lots of like same lots of books on woodworking and that's Mm -hmm. really what he's turned to to Mm -hmm. Learn how to make everything that he makes Right. Yeah,
2: yeah, Mm so I yeah, so I have a lot of books on woodworking Um, There are there are three woodworkers who uh, are my biggest influences or very early or formative influences. The second woodworker um, is um, uh, George Nakashima, okay? And um, he's a Japanese-American woodworker, he grew up in the Pacific Northwest. And um, he also used hand tools, but Japanese hand tools. And, um, and there's a whole kind of aesthetic around uh, Japanese woodworking and the way the tools work. And most of the planes, they work on the pull stroke. You pull them towards you. Mm. And the saws also work where you pull the saw towards you. Mm. And so, um, um, I especially like the Japanese saws. Um, you, um, they're thinner and they're flexible. And so um, um, when you're signed with a Japanese saw, um, you, 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 you pull it and it makes a really thin, fairly thin cut. I, I love how they work, I love how they feel. Um, um, it's great to uh, cut joints uh, like dovetail joints using a Japanese saw. Um, uh, so that whole aesthetic of, of, of wood, woodworking um, Japanese style, I really jumped right into, and um, I went to an exhibit by George Nakashima um, that was this was like 1980. It was at the Japanese American Community uh, Center in in downtown Los Angeles, mm. um, and it was a it's a big space, and he there were probably ten or fifteen. Pieces of furniture by George Nakashima, and he 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 lived and worked at the time um, in Pennsylvania, in uh, wow. in um, I think uh, New Hope, Pennsylvania, um, surrounded by forests. Beautiful workshop um, in the woods. And um, when I went to that exhibit, um, um, I had read about him and I had you know seen his work in Fine Woodworking magazine, but I wasn't prepared. For the experience mm. of seeing his work in person, I was not prepared for it, mm-hmm. and it was really profound. It was like um, this amazing energy came from these pieces, um, and um, I had never, I had never even imagined something like that would be possible. That. We in the when you're in the presence of a of mm-hmm. what would be an inanimate object that you get the you get a real sense of um, of uh, love and care mm-hmm. and uh, spirituality from the work. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, is this you
0: giving know. you Ron Swanson? Uh, <laughs> of,
2: you know uh, who I'm talking uh, about? Uh, Parks and Recreation. <laughs> Do you remember
0: where he go? Did you watch a show?
2: I did. Okay, yes. so uh-huh. you
0: remember when he goes to the woodworking and he uh he kind of like gets really nervous to talk to his favorite woodworker? Yeah, you know right. Who- I yeah. remember, right. I was um, like, this is what yeah, I'm picturing right, right now. Right, yeah, and it uh, and it was funny, but it but it also relates because um to you he was an incredible influence, and to yeah. actually be so. Connected with his, to feel that connection with his pieces yeah, and yeah. the energy from him, which is really incredible.
2: It 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 is. It was. I. It, and it, you know, so this was nineteen eighty. I don't know, eighty one or eighty two. I don't remember the year. Um, but um, um, it was like it was like a lightning bolt because. Um, It gave me a sense of what was possible. Mm. Okay, I I had already been using um, um, Urban Timber. Okay, my group had a gallery, and it was called Urban Forest, mm. and so this was in the two thousands, early two mm. thousands, mm-hmm. and um, um, and a lot of the things that we. Put on display in the gallery was things made from urban timber and that is wood that has been salvaged from trees that have been cut down you know street trees or maybe a tree's been blown down by the wind mm. or 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 a tree that had to be cut down because construction was happening in a, in a particular area mm-hmm. so that's urban timber and um um I was I became aware of the uh, possibilities of making things from wood that's local, you yeah. know, um, uh, it, it, which I do to this to this day. Um, so George Nakashima's furniture um, really really utilizes as much of the tree in its natural form, mm. you know. So so um, a lot of his furniture is made from slabs of of walnut or. Slabs of uh, redwood or or um, ash or whatever. It's that um, that that beautiful, you know, natural edge that trees have yeah. that can be uh, be incorporated into the design yeah. of of a piece. And so, um, um, I had seen a lot of the you know kind of uh, rustic and crude furniture in the Pacific Northwest. You know, made from you know giant slabs mm-hmm. and chainsaw carvings of bears and stuff yeah, like that. Yeah, like you when know, you
1: think of typical cabin typi- furniture, right? You kind know, of cabin yeah.
2: furniture, but but um, uh, George Nakashima kind of took it to a completely different level, a of, of mm-hmm. level of refinement. And so, um, so combining that those skills of uh, the skills that I learned uh, from James Krenoff with some of the some of the aesthetics that I got. From George Nakashima uh, that influenced what I was doing uh, quite a bit Um, and then the third person was Sam Malouf. Sam Malouf had a shop here in Southern California for for you know decades and um, um, I got to meet him very early in the early 80s. Um, um, I went to a a seminar at his shop Mm -hmm. and his work was very sculptural. Okay, so if you, if you look up Sam Malouf he was famous for his rocking chair and it was a very sculptural organic kind of a, a form um, and, um, and that had an impact on me uh, as well I didn't want to um, copy mm, mm-hmm. I didn't want to copy um, his work although he has there, there are like hundreds of woodworkers who make chairs exactly like
1: reproduction Sam
2: Maloof, you know in um, but um, but the techniques that he used and the ideas that he had um, I was really interested in and so I I use um, some of that some of those that kind of organic shape in in my my furniture so all of those things all of those woodworkers and and a few few others have, have influenced me influenced your work right.
0: How long I, have you been woodworking? Well,
2: you know, I guess since, since 1975 yeah. and full time.
0: And that's been your primary, yeah. That's been your yeah.
2: full time gig mm-hmm. for yeah. in your own
1: business. Yeah. for right. that long. That's yeah. incredible. Yeah,
2: so well over 40 years. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's
1: incredible because I I was peeking through your Instagram, so I've mm-hmm. only seen a limited, I'm imagining, mm-hmm. of what you've created. But one that stood out to me is this chair. That you created. And I just want to show, like, you mm, going from where it was, like, initially. Oh, it yeah, shows, that chair, right. Mm-hmm. Um, a bunch of blocks, like, glued together. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And then from that, sculpting out this, Right. Right. I mean, s- ultra smooth chair. And yeah. I've never seen it put together like that. Like, I've always thought these furniture pieces were mm-hmm. one big thing that you, like, chop <laughs> right, right, away. Right. But I've never seen it like that. And I yeah. can see the organic. Influence. I can see in some of the other ones your live edge, incorporating the live edge into it. Right,
2: right, right.
1: And then your music too, because you've created instruments. I saw the guitars. Right, right. And it's incredible to see all of this like patience and Vision that you have put into the wood. It's almost like a relationship between yeah. you and the it, wood. It,
2: it is. Yeah
1: I remember seeing these I think when the magazine came out I was yeah, looking yeah.
2: at your work mm-hmm. and I saw right. these
0: amazing lawn chairs. Yeah, mm-hmm. and they're so I mean How would you describe your work for someone who hasn't seen it?
2: Um, like I, would, a, I would say um, My work is um, Earthy but refined mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. I would say it's accessible um, um, uh, but, um, you don't look at my furniture and say, oh, I could make that down a weekend, you know, you, right, you, you, know, right. you, you, you see that it takes a lot, it, there's, it's there's skilled. a lot of, um, effort that goes into design mm-hmm. and, uh, and the, the craft crafting of these things. There, it's not just like. You know like a slab put on hairpin legs which people which people pass off as high-end furniture now yeah okay so um, um, I've never been one to take the easy way um, out as far as making making something Um, uh, you have to um, if you want to make something really good you have to learn the skill in order Mm -hmm. to make it okay the skill that the skills that you have don't always show in the piece that that you've built but um, but often um, um, they there uh, you know you can see some of the joints and things like that are a direct result of learning a skill on a very high level yeah so yeah. Um, uh, often, I will make a piece that um, will have maybe hand-cut joinery mm-hmm. on it where you know that it could not have been made from a machine mm. um, like maybe if I'm doing hand-cut dovetails there's this you can make the spacing on the dovetails so that you know that there was no machine bit that could have fit in there in order to do that it had to have been done by hand Mm -hmm. and so um the average person may not know that but somewhat some at some point someone will who has the knowledge of the skills that it takes to make it will see that and they'll say oh you know this could only have been done one way Mm -hmm. right you know and you know, could not he really did it. Happen. You know, yeah. right. not
0: something that could have been mass produced could not at have the been level mass produced right that yeah. it was created at, which so, is incredible. So yeah. that,
2: so I, so that's one thing that I do with my work is, is that I do um, um, show the skills mm-hmm. um, that it that it takes to make it. That's real. That's in, that's important because um, people still think this it, to this day that anything can be made by a machine mm-hmm. but that's not true mm-hmm. yeah um, there are things that have to be done by hand and are actually better done by hand mm-hmm. yeah. it's actually better f- for the person to do it by hand and it's better for the person who you're doing it for for it to be done by hand mm-hmm. yeah um, and it's um um It's it's a it's a you know better. It's a better way to live to to work with your hands working with your hands um, You know grounds you in a certain way Mm -hmm. and um, it slows you down Yeah, you know, um, you have to create a space in order to do do the work you have to it It's not you might see a lot of things that are really well made um, But in order for that thing to be made, that person has to create a space in order to make it. Mm-hmm. You know, they have mm-hmm. to have the skills, they have to have the tools, they have to have kind of like a design sense. They mm-hmm. have to have. There's a lot of things that have to. Uh, a lot of things that have to come together. Um, and there was always um, this picture on the back page of fine woodworking that was a spectacular piece of furniture that was so detailed and amazing but but more often than not you know the person who made that spent a year building that piece it was so Mm -hmm. fantastic and um, no one could really you know could, could do that unless you you know, had maybe another job, like Mm -hmm. you had a regular job and you did it in the weekends, you know. Right, right. Um, And some people work that way. Um, But but that's not a lifestyle. You know, you have a job and then you do working on the... I wanted to be fully immersed in the work that I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so... That means I have to make a living at it, and it mm-hmm. hasn't always been easy. Of course, but um, um, but I did s- stick to it, and um, so the work that I do is it has to be practical, mm-hmm. it has to be done quickly, but it has to be done well, and it has to be priced. At at, at um, a level where I can make a living,
1: mm-hmm,
2: and mm-hmm. Um,
0: and I mean it's I'm sure that the price reflects the skill and the time that you put into um, becoming the 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 craftsman that you are. Right, right, right. right. Well, you know, the,
2: the typical thing is like, well, you know, I. Like, Deliver a piece of furniture. Well, how long did that take you to make? And I, I say, well, forty years. Yeah,
0: exactly. <laughs> yeah. Or you know, when you when you talk about a trade, I've heard that before. It's like, yeah. oh, that took you ten minutes. Why are you charging me this much? He's like, because right. I've been. I've been doing this for 30 years and the reason it took 10 minutes is because I've been doing it for 30 years, you know,
1: and it's an art. I mean, the way that you're creating, which is, is. yeah, I want to say
0: your, your furniture really looks incredibly, not only well-made, but it looks like very high end design pieces. There's an, a design element Mm. as someone who went, I mean, I, yeah, I think we both, she has a wonderful home, like, interior design eye I went to FITM, and I feel like aesthetically like I'm always looking out for design when it comes to pieces Mm -hmm. you know you went to where FITM, which is the fashion institute so we had a lot of Mm -hmm. interior designers Mm -hmm. you know that were my friends going to their Mm -hmm. classes Mm -hmm. right right and I just want to say that the design you know the level of design in your your pieces are is incredible and I think anyone with an eye can tell that this is not just like a uh, Run of the mill, if yes. you will. Right. <laughs> the, I, you saying, didn't just I open it. up your, mm-hmm. your book and copied something. It is, right. there's yeah. a design element to it, which right. is right. really
2: nice. Yeah. Um, and I
1: love mm-hmm. the aspect of um, urban timber mm-hmm. as right. well. Like, because when you think of sourcing locally, you always think of like forest or, you know, tree dense areas. You mm-hmm. don't think about, oh, a tree's going to get cut down because they need it for construction purposes mm-hmm. or it's fallen or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like I love right. that notion too. Yeah. 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 Um
0: so we wanna of course we know you have to mm-hmm. go get yeah, to the store. Yeah I was store. gonna
1: say they do close it too but I can let them know <laughs> you're on your way.
0: Oh um Colossus okay. Because um we always come back to the community and yes. I have a two parter question. Okay. Um and it just regards into San Pedro and then of course Jess has a really wonderful question we'd like to ask too mm-hmm. um but uh, my 2 part question is as someone who of course who grew up here mm-hmm. you I would love to hear what you have to say mm-hmm. what is something that is that concerns you about the community or an area that you find you think needs improvement and then the flip side of that question is what excites you about the community um, the community being San Pedro
2: okay um, the thing that concerns me um, is the homeless problem mm-hmm. um, and, and a lot of people have concerns over that um, I've noticed uh, recently that the homeless people have been kind of moved off of the public streets, um, and that's, that's been good. But that doesn't mean the problem has gone away. Right. Um, they're just in different locations. In fact, there's a whole big encampment that's grown up um, right um, at the base of the bridge. You know, I don't know if you're familiar with that. Mm-hmm. It's right between the on ramp to the 110 and um, the, the back end of uh, Har- okay. Harbor Occupational Center. And I know. So, you know, I know exactly right, yeah. And so that's the one thing that uh, concerns me. Um, I like what um, Tim McCosker is doing, and then I also like what Karen Bass is doing. I think mm-hmm. they're um, uh, having a, a big uh, they'll have a big influence on the homeless mm. um, uh, homeless situation. I'm part of an organization called Woodworks. I'm a board member of Woodworks that um, uh, that was um, one of the uh, founders was uh, Lee Offerman, mm. you know uh, of uh, Parks and Recreation, yeah. <laughs> okay And um, it's an organization that teaches homeless people how to uh, do basic woodworking. Um, and um, and learn a skill that can help lift them out of homelessness. Mm-hmm. So that's um, so I'm really um, uh, you know trying to be part of the solution. Yeah,
0: today. that's incredible. And for excitement, and then
2: for excitement, I'm 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 uh, very excited to see uh, downtown San Pedro uh, coming coming up after so many years. Uh, I remember uh, almost forty years ago when they raised the this area here and um, uh, they took out all of these uh, iconic uh, buildings and um, um, and then it kind of lay empty for 25 years before things actually started Mm. you know popping up you probably don't remember that Mm. but most most of this was vacant lots for Mm -hmm. so long for a long time Mm -hmm. so i'm very excited about This downtown area, especially excited about West Harbor, Mm -hmm. Um, and um, you know I look forward to uh, to being um, you know a part of what's uh, going on uh, here in San Pedro. Uh, Mm -hmm. Of course, the the music and arts art scene. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. I'm very excited about my uh, concert series. Mm -hmm. Um, That's every summer the Fortnight concert series. Oh, very cool. Um, We Mm -hmm. are looking. at the, the artists for this for this year and so uh, as soon as we can uh, we'll announce um, the dates and um, uh, and the artists. Um,
1: Where's the venue? Uh,
2: it's the um, uh, it's Angelscape Cultural Center it's um, it's the um, uh, Miriam uh, uh, Battery um, it's underground you know Mm. it's um it's if you um if you stand on the the if you stand on the ground above the concert venue you're standing on the ground and if you're facing uh point Vermin park Mm -hmm. um, um it, you're, you know, you can see, in fact, when you stand on the ground, you can see the Korean bell from that spot, and the concert venue is like underground, 28 feet below, Yeah. and it's mm-hmm. a tunnel, it's a, it has amazing acoustics. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so, awesome. Um, yeah. I look forward to it'll, that, for sure. It holds only 40 people, and we do uh, four concerts. Mm-hmm. Um, it'll be fun. Yeah. Very cool. My
1: <laughs> question that I like to ask yes. is, describe your ideal day in San, in San Pedro. What does that look like?
2: Oh, my goodness. Well, my first first thing is, I, since I love love to work, I get up. Um, um, me and my wife have coffee. Um, I roll out to the shop, you know, around 8 o'clock and start working on a project for somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, we take a lunch break and um, eat lunch at, at, at home. Um, I continue working, but then um, in the... Um, in the afternoon um after, after work um uh we may go out to dinner at one of the great uh local spots like sebastian's or mm. nico's mm-hmm. or you know there's you know any number of places um, mm-hmm. to 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 go and go and eat if it's a thursday if it's a first thursday oh yeah um walking around all of the 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 great uh, galleries and and shops in downtown san pedro mm-hmm. and um uh, catching some music, catching some dinner, um, looking at exhibits, meeting artists. Mm-hmm. Um, that's a perfect day. Yeah, wonderful. <laughs> <I love that. laughs> well, Thank you so much. Right, you um,
0: We will have all of your links in the show notes. Is Great. there any else, anything else you wanted to share um, in regards to um, where to find you? or?
2: Coming up uh, this summer, I'll be teaching at Penland, uh, which is a famous uh, craft school in mm-hmm. North Carolina. I'll be oh. teaching, teaching in, in August.
0: That's That's awesome. yes. Well
2: oh, thank, thank you so much. Pleasure. All
0: right, great, my pleasure. That's all for our episode. Follow us for more on Instagram at HelloSP Podcast
1: huge thanks to Rock Ashfield at Palm Realty Boutique for providing us such a gorgeous recording space.
0: And thank you to all of our amazing Patreon supporters.
1: Leave us a review and share this episode with your friends, neighbors, and coworkers. See you next week.